the Everson Cooper podcast. We are entrepreneurs that are interested in what makes people successful. In this podcast, we sit down with a wide range of people with diverse perspectives and backgrounds. We dive into the obstacles that they've had to overcome, their successes, unique experiences, and everything in between. Our goal is to continuously learn from those around us and share their knowledge so that we can all find something that makes us better and makes those around us better. We hope you enjoy. On the podcast today, we spoke with Philip Wilkerson. Philip owns and runs Beacon Business Solutions. It is a comprehensive business management coaching and consulting firm. Philip has 20 years of corporate leadership experience running large divisions in multi-billion dollar companies. He now specializes in helping all kinds of businesses find and maintain success through Beacon Business Solutions. Philip talks about his professional successes and obstacles along the way and what he termed as failing his way to success. Check out his company at seethebeacon.com. Philip also opens up about his family and the experiences of having a child diagnosed with juvenile diabetes, the initial life-changing obstacle, and then the ultimate triumph of learning to adapt and overcome. Much of what Philip talks about business-wise and personally is about the different experiences people face along their journey and how they can use every experience to keep in their own personal toolkit to help them become better and more prepared for what each person's path has in store. We really enjoyed ourselves and learned a lot from Philip, and we hope you do too. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy our conversation with Philip Wilkerson. Philip, hi there. Thanks for being uh, you know on our little podcast here. I know we're we're just getting started, and right. so um, it really is yeah, very very cool to have you um, you know talk with us and. Um, you know, uh, share some of your experiences and, and the things that we've learned from you. Uh, and then also, you know, whoever end up listening to this, you know, right. hopefully they, they pick up something as well. Right. So uh, I kind of want to start, um, well, we, it necessarily won't be linear, uh, you know, from birth to, to now. <laughs> I guess uh, we'll, I hope not. <laughs> we'll kind of jump right. around a little bit. But the first thing okay, I really want to talk about, and I know that you're passionate about, and it means and right. it's something that you um, – I don't want to say deal with because right. I think you probably have, have you know you're, you're a glass half full type mm-hmm. person, but but being a parent of a child mm-hmm. with type one diabetes, wow, yeah. um, and that's not always been the case. I think right. uh, the di- diabetes formed right. over a period of time uh, with your son, and so well, I kind of want to. He was yeah, diagnosed touch, uh, touch two and a half years ago at age uh, eleven. Yeah, right. Was when he was diagnosed. So there was eleven years that he did not have you know, type one. And, uh, so that was a, a very sudden diagnosis, uh, which is awesome. Honestly, it's, it's a great networking story as well because, um, uh, another lady and, and myself were, um, starting to get involved in different networking events and we had just met each other and she does accounting services and, and we we're seeing where the synergies were between us. And she invited me to come see one of her presentations. And I thought it was kind of odd cause she wanted me to give her some feedback on that uh, presentation and I told her I would. And so I, you know, I attended that and she opened up with a year ago, her son was diagnosed with type one diabetes and the symptoms were drinking a lot and going to the restroom a lot. And I'm sitting in the audience and those are the exact symptoms that my son was experiencing at that moment in time. And I still get goosebumps right now, you know, talking about that moment. Yeah. Uh, Cause my wife and I just had that conversation about let's not fool ourselves. Cause he had just started tackle football, you know, in Texas, hot, hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. Sure. Um, and um, we were just having that conversation about don't fool ourselves that maybe there's, maybe there's something wrong. And then I sit in on that on Wednesday and it just hit me like a ton of, mm-hmm. ton of bricks. And so that Saturday morning we went to the local, clinic and uh you know um i got my blood sugar tested first and they tested mine and then they tested his and it was four times mm-hmm. mine and right then we knew there was a challenge mm-hmm. right uh or some something wasn't right and we were within an hour we were at texas children's hospital and within 30 minutes we were diagnosed and with 30 minutes we were checked into the hospital with iv treatments and insulin mm-hmm. is that fast and we would have ended up there either way. But because of that networking event and because of her adding that to her presentation, the message was delivered to me. And we were able to treat my son proactively 
before getting there catastrophically. Sure. Right. And so that's a testimony to networking, but it's also, it's not necessarily our plan. Sure. Right. That's the divine intervention put us together to, to help my son. Yeah. Right. So now one thing I'm, a few things I'm curious about. So the, the the family dynamic. And so kind of talk specifically a little about, about your son. Sure. How did he adjust? Uh, yeah, I've, I've met him a couple times. Right. Um, great kid. Yeah. Seems to be doing just fine. Seems right. to have a great attitude about it. What was that time period like, you know, to, to, to adjust from, you know, normal kid? Uh, not that he's not normal now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But tackle football right. and then, oh, my gosh, right. what I have type 1 diabetes? What do I do? Sure. You know, the, uh, the adjective I would use for him is <laughs> I get choked up, right, thinking about it. But remarkable. Yeah, uh, extra- extraordinary that um, the adaptability to, to keep going, um, and I think part of that, um, hopefully, you know, was right at Texas Children's, they they did a fantastic job, and a couple of the nurses were actually type one, so he saw right away. Wow, that's cool. That here's these young professionals, smart. One was doing half marathons. They showed here's my pump that I'm wearing. You know, so right away. Um, after the after the tears and the initial emotions, and actually in his class at one of his health classes in school, they had just learned about diabetes. So when he found out his blood sugar number, he already knew. Mm-hmm. He already knew because he had learned that in class. And so there was there was a, a moment of time of, of <laughs> lots of tears, right? Um, but then there's that acceptance piece mm-hmm. that. Um, this is what we have to do. There's, yeah. There is no choice, right? This is what we have to do, as uncomfortable as it is and things like that. But having those nurses there initially to have that very positive image, an active image, and they encourage right away for you to get back out into normal activities, mm-hmm. whatever you were doing before. And because we got there early, we were in there three days. And uh, so we were let out on a Monday. Tuesday, he went to school. Uh, he did a walkthrough with his football team. On Wednesday, he put the pads back on and actually played in the game on Thursday, right? It was phenomenal, right? Um, And then it just kept going Mm -hmm. from there. Um, So um, I'd say as a a family, you you asked what um, kind of what's it like. Uh, For anybody that's had a newborn that comes into the family, it's that you're always checking on them, Mm -hmm. you know, at night. Are they sleeping? Are they okay? You know, are they breathing? All those kind of things. And at some point with a newborn, you become comfortable and confident. You got little baby monitors and kind of stuff <laughs> like that. But at, at, at some point, you become comfortable that they're going to be okay. Under Right now, even today, two and a half years later, um, it's still like having a newborn at the house because his blood sugar levels at night could be um, too low, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, or not within range. And so, you know, for, for me and our family, that's, it's an ongoing presence, mm-hmm. right? That it, it's, it's there. It's tough enough for kids. Um, and once again, my heart goes out to him and I think he's a remarkable kid that, uh, it's tough enough for kids to be kids, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and then for parents not to be, you know, smothering at, at times, right? To allow them to have their space and things like this. And this is just one component that forces conversations uh, into how are your numbers, how you feeling, uh, things like that. Have you eaten? Right. That um, that just it it's an ongoing conversation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's some of the challenges that go along with it. But and you guys know um, he did the football, and then he went on and played soccer, and he ran track, and you know um, then cross country, swam with his swim team. Uh, that summer, uh, and so he's continuing to do act, very active in sports, cross country, track. You know, his goal this year is to break five minutes in a mile. Wow! Uh, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> I'm telling you, remarkable of of what he's he's able to accomplish, mm-hmm. right? And he's maintained A's in school, mm-hmm. and so it's, he's he's a great kid. Yeah. We're very fortunate. Well, I think that that certainly reveals the character of him. Uh, and I think it reveals the character of you and your wife and your parenting, what you guys did uh, as well for, you know, to be, not that you can prepare for something like this, but right. you can, you can do your best to prepare for whatever life tosses your way. Right. Uh, and so it seems like you guys are doing fantastic with it. You know, you guys are adapting. Well, there's a, there's that level of acceptance of, yeah, this is what you have to do. Right. 
And, and that's a story in life, really, in general. We don't know the cards that are going to be dealt mm-hmm. us. And whatever that challenge is that's put in front of you, you gotta you got to deal with it and still maintain a positive attitude and, and move forward. And that's, that's challenging at times. Yeah. And like I said, there was lots of times of tears and prayers and that um, – but we're, we're going to keep plugging through yeah. right? and, and raising money for research. And, you know, there's a few things in my life that at the end that I want to be uh, determined as success, and that's finding a cure for diabetes. So if there's anybody out there listening, right, that wants to support, <laughs> you know, finding a cure, actually finding a cure for, you know, juvenile diabetes type 1, then give me a call. We'll, uh, we'll talk. We'll figure out a strategy and get that done. Right. So talk a little bit about the things that you are involved with. Right. And if someone is listening and right. they, they maybe are um, struggling with diabetes oh. or they just want to get involved, they want to learn more, right. what can what can they do? I know that you're involved in several different things. Uh, so there, there's a group, uh, it's nationwide, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation is, is a group that does a lot of social activities. They, they do a lot of um, events all in service of raising money for research and not just um, for technology advancements. There's there's items that my son has right now, the technology that he wears. He wears a, a pump, right, that carries insulin in it. it uh, it's connected to a, a PDM, a personal uh, diabetes management device. Looks like an old uh, BlackBerry, right, device for those people out there that may know what that is, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and uh, so the technology, right, and then it connects to an app, and now he can share that app with us so we can see his blood sugar levels, at any time, you know, he can program in and it gives him the insulin so he doesn't have to take shots. He's, so he's very fortunate to have access to that technology, which is only available through research and advancing the quality of life of, of you know, type 1 and type 2 diabetics. Um, but, you know, I want to have conversations with people about finding a cure. And and the technology and that stuff's great, but let's, let's get to the point of the spear mm-hmm. for me. Uh, yeah. So... You know, finding a cure for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's um, so we'll we'll kind of segue yeah. out of this. I, I know we we jump right into wow. the uh, <laughs> the hard wrenching whatever. I know yeah. it's um, I, like we try to keep people you know yeah. on the toes. On the um, toes, right? But I appreciate the opportunity to have that conversation. Of course, yeah. And I, and like I said, I know that that's near and dear to your heart. That's something sure. that you're passionate about for obvious right. reasons. Right. Um, but it actually, it's interesting. Um, it kind of brings me back to when I was in college. Uh, the I was in a fraternity, and the foundation. So we always did a you know huge philanthropic you know mm-hmm. that was a big blowout for the year right. of what we did. And um, I, I had no idea that there were two different types of diabetes. Okay. I was ignorant to right. to, to diabetes. The, our fraternity organized oh, wow. a, an event for JDRF. Wow! And so wow. I had the opportunity to learn that. Wow. Wait, wait! You're telling me that there's there's kids that wow, live in a normal life and nine years old, 11 years old, whatever, right. all of a sudden you know, they realize right. like, wait, you, you have this life changing, you know, right. you, this life changing event that right. occurs. Right. Uh, and so when I talked with you about it, it about a year ago now right. that I learned that your son had, uh, had diabetes, it kind of just reminded me of like, okay, you know, you're exposed to that for a reason right. because you're somehow supposed to be involved with this and continue to help people. Right. So. Um, that's a little bit something that, you know, it's special a, a to A connection me. I didn't know we had. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So thank you yeah. for your fraternity and your school for doing that. Yeah. Um, I hope they're still doing that. I'm, yeah. you know, I haven't, haven't uh, touched base with them right. here recently, but I hope there's, there's, they're doing something, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, a great thought. Maybe yeah. it's an opportunity for us. Yeah. 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 To make that bigger. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It sound like y'all had a blowout, but you know. I'm a big I'm a big picture guy and a big thinker, right? So, you know, if we can go global with something like that, then... Let's raise a lot of money and right. get to the point of the spear and find a cure for this thing yeah. so that other families don't have to go through it. And it's a shame for kids to have to go through it. And we're fortunate to be have access to some of the technology, but there's kids that don't have access mm-hmm. to the technology, and they have to take shots, right, multiple times through the day. And there's been periods of time that he's wanting to take a break from having the electronic devices on his body and uh, yeah. gone back to shots. And, you know, for those that have to do that, it's... Uh, it's a real daily challenge yeah. to, to manage. So yeah, continue to open up opportunities for, for other people that, that have to you know deal right. deal with that. Yeah. Right. yeah. So I, I want to segue. Okay, um, great. Uh, off of this, a little less serious maybe, but um, kind of touched on 
the, you know, being prepared for whatever comes comes your way. Sure. And you know, you so you organize, you host yeah. Reveille, uh, right. Reveille North here in, in North Houston, yeah, here, in the, here in the woodlands. Um, and it's Texas A&M based. Obviously, it's open up to people that aren't right. in, you know, Texas A&M. Oh, yeah. uh, but so I kind of want to talk a little bit about uh, your personal values, your personal principles, mm-hmm. your, and also professionally. A lot of times, most people have personal principles that sure. it leads into their professional. Gosh, life. I hope so. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, so I kind of want to have uh, open up an opportunity for you to talk about. Um, just you as, as a business owner, sure. uh, you know, you were in the corporate world for, you know, 20 some odd years right. and management positions. And so right. you've seen both sides of that. Right. And so you, you know, run, um, uh, Reveille North and, yeah. uh, it's Texas A&M based. And so Texas A&M has a lot of, you know, it's Aggie values. Sure. Uh, and I can't talk, you know, firsthand about that. Obviously I'm not an Aggie, but, right. but you are. And so sure. I want to kind of open that up a little bit and talk and, and have you talk about, right. you know, your business, your, your personal professional life, and then also kind of the backdrop of Texas A&M and, and what your experience right. with that, you know. Is it all right if I talk a little bit about the networking group? Absolutely. You, know, so, talk, you can talk right. whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys, you guys hear the monologue. You know, every week. So I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you guys uh, tolerating that and the, oh, the the head nods every once in a while. Like that's that's very helpful, right? As I'm doing that weekly monologue, right? So, um, yeah, I was a, a corporate guy for for 20 years and uh, the worked for the same company for 18 years, and uh, really thought that was going to be my career. And uh, I didn't have any plans on working anyplace else. Reorganization took place, and I found myself on the street, as you guys know, and I, we often use the example of the movie Shawshank Redemption, right, when the, the guys are getting out of prison after being in there for such a long time, and there's nothing out there. They don't know where to go, and I, I that's me. I, I had zero network. I, I perceived as I had zero network. I had a network, but I, I didn't. Uh, a lot of my friends and contacts and colleagues were within that company, and so that was a valuable lesson to me. Um, that obviously I needed to learn uh, the importance. Uh, I understood the importance of people, but the importance of people in a network. Um, and, uh, you know, at the end of my life, it, it almost gave me a flash forward to the end of my life, right, that there'd be nobody there. And it's like, God, that's that's not where I want to be, right? So I need, I can't be, live in this little bubble, right? I have to get out there and, and, help people and you know how can I do that uh, so it, it really opened my eyes to uh, the journey that I'm on now right and that's uh, you know to be proactively and, and serve the community mm-hmm. right and that's a, a passion of mine and um, so I was let go I went to the Reveille group based here in Houston uh, Texas the Reveille Club it's a morning breakfast networking it's uh, Aggie based and at that time, Dick Lester was there from the A&M Business School, and he was introducing the A&M 100, and I was just blown away, right, with the Aggie 100, top 100 Aggie-owned businesses for that year. And it was just mind-boggling, because I've been in that little corporate bubble, and we were worried about our little business and all this cool energy out there. And I was kind of like, man, if I would have been exposed to this while I was in there, how much more effective would have I been mm-hmm. as a as a leader in that organization? And I was limiting myself with my skill and my talents and my treasures by staying in that bubble as opposed to investing a little bit of time on the outside. Um, and then, you know, other things happened. Um, but I ultimately ended up starting my own business, right? Management, consulting, leadership development, sales and marketing uh, for small business owners. And I came out of the metal billing industry, and I do consulting for that. From from, yeah. from Reveille, right, the Aggie 100, and then that, I recognized that I wanted to be part of all that, and mm-hmm. so I, I ultimately started my own business, right, uh, and that's management consulting, helping the small business owners, as well as I came from the metal building industry, so I do consulting in there as well, um, and uh, it's been it's been a great ride um, being able to help, and that's um, uh, that's how I'm built, right? I'm built to be a helper, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's interesting that. Um, like I, like I said in, in our thing this morning, that I was on a panel at one of the local colleges here a couple of weeks ago, and one of the students reached out to me, and he was he was asking me about, uh, you know, networking and, and things like that. And uh, I said, I failed my way to success, right? <laughs> and he's, like, shocked. Like, I mean, you're up on this panel, right? You're talking to this 
auditorium that's got these you know students in it you know how can how can you say that and um you know so the first business that i started was a failure right and uh, so if, if there's small business owners or people thinking about getting out into business out there you got to be able to sell mm-hmm. right and that was a weakness on my part and ultimately the business didn't didn't go and i lost six digits worth of money right so expensive lesson right <laughs> but what i learned from that right opens up new new opportunities um and uh, so now i'm on my second business right and it, it's going well and part of that um is how can i give back to the community as well and that's the reason i started the networking group up on the north side of town in, mm-hmm. in the greater houston area and uh, it did start aggie centered uh but it was it was very um very early on that there are other people in the community business owners and employees that have the same values and principles and they care about other people and want to help others and and have a lot of value and we should include those people mm-hmm. right and and y'all are perfect examples of that that y'all give uh and y'all are active in the community and so why would we not want to interact with the best of the best that's in the community. And so, um, so our group, uh, is Aggie based, right. And, uh, and it's open to the Aggies, but it's also open to community. I call them community leaders. Um, mm-hmm. I, my business is beacon business solutions. So I, I refer to them as community beacons mm-hmm. personally, right. They're shining a light right out in the community. And, uh, so that's my reference to people like you yep. that participate in our networking group. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys hear me talk about it all the time, but the the, uh, the purpose of our group mm-hmm. was one for business owners to come out and promote their business. Business owners doing business together. Um, the one the, the Revley Group downtown is Aggies doing business with Aggies. Mm-hmm. You know, for our group, it's business owners doing business with other business owners, mm-hmm. right? So come out and promote your business. The other key thing is is corporate employees. I was one. I'm the perfect example, right? Don't be me. Don't Shawshank. Right, <laughs> that, that's going to be a term now. Shawshank, don't be a Shawshank. Right, get out there and be involved because it'll help. It it'll help you do your job better because you're exposed to these other things. And the better you feel about yourself, given to others, then the better you are. Especially if you're in a leadership type role in your company, now you're able to give to those people around you mm-hmm. uh, as well and help them develop as well. So you know, you got the business owners, you got the corporate employees. And something unique about our group is people that are in transition, right? So we're open to, if there are people uh, looking for work, they're in between jobs, that they can come to our group. And if we've done our job right with the business owners and the corporate employees, then those people in transition have a place to come and network, right, mm-hmm. and practice. And I think that's a, the, a, another benefit of our group is it, it is it's a comfortable place mm-hmm. to come practice. Uh, yeah. Nobody naturally has a great 30 second commercial, <laughs> right? The elevator pitch. Everybody talks sure. about that. You got to practice that mm-hmm. and no better place than a safe environment amongst friends, everybody trying to do the same thing mm-hmm. to come out and practice. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's what our group I think provides also is an opportunity to get really refine who you are, what you're about, your product, your service. Mm-hmm. And the last piece that I think is probably the f- most important piece that's unique to our group is a community service component. So it's business networking and community service, mm-hmm. both. And so you guys know and you've participated in, in many of the events, um, but uh, Montgomery County Food Bank in this part of town it provides uh, food fairs to be able to hand out food you know, from their warehouse into the community. And, and once a quarter as a group, we, we volunteer. Mm-hmm. And uh, just want to continue to see that grow um, and obviously the group came out and helped with the uh, juvenile diabetes, uh, the walk that they had up here in the, the Woodlands area, you know, last, uh, last fall. And that was greatly appreciated. So, uh, that's, that's a networking group in itself. And it's an honor and a privilege to be associated with, uh, the number of people and the pr- pure professionals that attend that group on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's an honor and so- motivating too. So touching on, so you said you sat on a panel yeah. and you had an opportunity, someone who was just graduating from college, and sure. I said, what, what, what do you mean? What do you mean you failed success? How, how can you say that? So right. um, I'm curious, talk a little bit about some of the lessons that you learned, uh, whether it was starting the first business, 
uh, or when you first got out of college and you're like, man, I, if I had a chance to go back, I, I wouldn't do that again. Sure. If, if everything could stay the same, but I just, I, I wouldn't do that. Talk a little bit about, you know, some sure. younger people kind of maybe coming out that are either looking at opening their own business or maybe have already opened their own business sure. or are going into the corporate right. world. So what are some of the things that you say, like, you maybe, maybe don't do this? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, study <laughs> while you're in school. Study. I was I was on the edge, right, of of staying in school. Um, I was in the Corps Cadets at A and M, and and I was I was all in for the the military activities that that we did around the campus. And and a big piece of that, once again, was we were part of a unit, and we had underclassmen, and I was committed to developing those guys to be all that they could be. Mm-hmm. And I I spent way too much time there. And less time on myself, and myself in that case was school studying, mm-hmm. and so I was constantly on the the edge of, of staying in and, and not. And um, you know, I lost a leadership role. You know, I was I elevated to a certain leadership role within the Corps Cadets, and because of my grades, I lost that. And um, I, I think it was really important that I stayed in in order to provide an example for those around me to stick through it, even mm-hmm. though you've been given a blow, mm-hmm. which was at that time you know, pretty significant, um, and to stick with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, you know, after the core was over, I continued to work and pay my way through school. So at times I was working three jobs, uh, and taking part-time classes, um, and to, to get my way through. And so all my friends had graduated. They had gone on. I was like the last man standing <laughs> on, on campus, but the, you know, that's what I, that's what I had to do yeah. in order to get through. But I re- remained committed to, my purpose and that's to graduate and ultimately, you know, enter into the professional world. And, uh, so that was, um, I would say that was a failure. Um, but it opened up new doors of possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I just hard work, dedication, commitment, um, you can get through it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, is, is my, my perception. Mm-hmm. Um, Coming out of school, and I shared this with the, the, the student when we were talking, that I actually took the lowest-paying job. You know, I had multiple offers uh, coming out of school, and I took the lowest-paying job because I thought it provided the best learning opportunities for me. And so I'm a continuous learner, mm-hmm. and everybody around me, I, I look at everybody as they have something to teach, right? Everybody's got a unique story. Everybody's got a lot of value, and what can I learn? And in this case, taking that job, I felt it was the best learning opportunity, the broadness of the skill set that I was going to get exposed to uh, in, in that work environment, which was fantastic for the time of period I was there. I learned a lot, and it springboarded me to the next opportunity where I was able, because I had a diverse training, mm-hmm. I was able to go in and blaze my own trail uh, when I moved to Houston, uh, you know, gosh, 20, 20 years ago, 23 years ago now, right? So I was able to come here and blaze my own trail with things that I'd learned mm-hmm. in that initial job. Uh, so I'd say that's somewhat fails, right? Um, but it opens up new opportunities. Yeah. And uh, I think it's really important to be open. Um, it's not always our plan, right, that opportunities are going to present themselves. And that's part of being involved in the community and being outside of your own little bubble and engage with other people um, is that opportunities are going to present themselves. People are going to have a conversation. They're going to make a request. They're going to have a need. And you can connect, right? You, through your network, whether you have, you know, perceive it or not, you know something that may be able to help that person. Mm-hmm. And why would we not, as human beings, right, uh, want to help our fellow mm-hmm. neighbor? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's... That's really important. Yeah. Well, that's, that kind of touches on something that Elizabeth and I, I don't think we've always maybe articulated this this way, but I, and Elizabeth, help me remember the book, um, but it's having an, an abundance mindset mm-hmm. of saying, look, if I take some time to, yeah, yeah. The book, The Secret, talks um, about abundance a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I take the time to help this person, it's taking away from me being able to do this, taking away, that's a scarcity mindset. Right. And so much of, I think, why we're drawn to you and most of the people that are, are in Reveille, yeah. um, 
uh, is because it is it is that abundance mindset. Like, right. look, there's plenty enough of us for out there. Right. Uh, there's plenty enough out there for us. That's right. If you believe that, sure. if you don't believe that, then sure, you're always going to be you know taking taking things mm-hmm. and keeping it for yourself and right. not sharing. And uh, that's that's certainly not a, a world or an association that, that we want to be in. Right. So I think you dem- you definitely demonstrate that oh, uh, for for sure. Uh, I think that crosses over to a lot of things. Going back to, um, you know, the, the, having you know your son having diabetes, like, look, it, it's going to be fine. There's plenty of stuff out there for us to learn, to do yeah. opportunities that we're going to be able to create going out of this. Right. So, yeah, definitely, um, very, very much an, an abundance mindset. So, okay, I, there's a couple, couple things that came up here that I'm curious about. Uh-oh. So, <laughs> uh, no, 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 this is good, this is good stuff. Um, so you talked about your first business yeah. and just, you know, right. what wasn't, di- didn't go well, whatever. Right. Uh, so I'm, I'm just curious, what was, so what was the first business that you got into when, was it right out of college? Was it, did you transition out of a position that went back or, or what? Talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't want to talk really specifics about the, the, the business itself, except for the fact that any business owner has to be able to sell. Mm-hmm. And, and part of my passion of what I'm doing right now is to help. Those business owners, they, they have a great their skill, trade, profession. They're great at that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to be able to sell. You can't just mm-hmm. hang your sign out front and say, I'm open for business, and people are going to stampede. And that's a lesson learned. And I learned it the hard way, mm-hmm. right? You have to get out there. Now, Andy, you're a natural sales person, right? Well, thanks. I, I, I don't think I'm... I don't think I was initially a natural salesperson. I'm glad I make it look natural. <laughs> you make it look easy, right? <laughs> right. So... But you have to be able to sell, right? Um, and that's uh, for whatever limitations and mindset that uh, I had at the time, I just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, ultimately, it, it failed. And that's a valuable lesson that, once again, um, what can I do, right? What did I not do? And that was make the phone calls, knock on the doors, yeah. um, get out there, and whether it's social media or whatever it may be, and, and limited exposure, and the phone didn't ring, mm-hmm. right? And if I wasn't willing to do those things to sell and promote the business and the product and the service, then, you know, ultimately it's not, not going to work. Mm-hmm. So there's there are times, right, that we have to hit the reset button. Mm-hmm. And so you can continue down that path. And But to me, part of the lesson learned was you got to hit the reset button too and take your, you know, punch on the chin, uh, acknowledge that this was a failure, what did I learn from it? And then apply something different mm-hmm. going forward. Yeah. Uh, and so it's helped me tremendously in, you know, being able to, to move on with the, you know, the business that I'm doing right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's key of saying, okay, you know what? It, it didn't work out as a failure, right. but what did I learn? What now can I apply yeah. going forward with Absolutely. whatever that I'm going to, that I'm going to do next? Always. Yeah. That's key. Always. So you mentioned that you worked like three jobs yes. in college yeah. and whatever. Uh, and, 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 there may be other things that you can draw from it, but I'm always curious yeah. of what's what people's like worst job that you ever had. And, and I'll kind of give you an example for, for me. Two come to mind, and, and they're very, very opposite of each other. One, uh, when I was 15 years old, before my freshman year of high school, I effectively was a janitor uh, <laughs> at the high school that I was going to. Right. Um, and I helped the janitorial. And it was like other students you could apply and whatever. Right. Um, and, uh, so I helped him, you know, to uh, strip the wax off the floor. You wax the floor. But before that, you had to take all the furniture out of the rooms. I mean, it was hard. It was awful. I hated it. I hated it. Right. But there was no people involved. That's why it was the worst. It was the worst job. It was one of the worst jobs I ever had, but I learned very, very, very valuable lessons. First off, I never dropped a piece of trash. Yeah. In, in the school after that, right. because I know those people have to go pick it up, yeah. and I never, you know, if I if I saw you know um, scuff marks on the floor, I kind of like you know buffed yeah. them out or whatever. Because yeah. I know that, I know people had to go and do that. I never wrote on the desk or anything like right. that, and, and I realized I never want to do that again. Um, so that was one of the worst jobs. And then I also worked uh, when, later in high school. I worked a retail job. I mm-hmm. just hate, I hated retail hours. Uh, didn't like I had to work weekends and holidays and whatever. I was like <laughs> I like my weekends. I like my holidays. <laughs> so. So that's the example of... Well, you found out what you don't like to do. Exactly. There you go. Yes, yes. Perfect. So I'm always curious, you know, people, you know, what's, you know, a job that maybe had an excellent experience, but, you know, like me, is that I know that I don't want to do that anymore. Um, That's a a really good good question. And, uh, you know, thinking about that, 
I don't, I don't know because I chose the jobs that I went and did mm-hmm. every time. Mm-hmm. I, I made that choice of to do that, and so I had bad bosses, right? And I, I wouldn't say I had a bad job because I selected all those jobs. Fair enough. Yeah. And if I chose at at some point, I was learning. I learned what I could, or it provided whether it's the money or whatever it was for the time being. It was done. Then I moved on to the, the next the next thing. Uh, once again, it's a reset button. Mm-hmm. No, no decision is final, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a few, but you know we won't get into those here <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So, but I had bad bosses, right? And I think I learned probably more from bad bosses than the good ones mm-hmm. of what not to do and how not to treat people and how not to run a business and you know, generate results and things like that. So, um, I, I don't, I don't have a good story for a, no, around a, a bad job, but fair enough. Right. I, I got plenty of bad boss stories. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and this reminds me of a conversation you and I had, and maybe we can touch on this a little bit more. You, well, I think one of the tenets maybe of you being you know, a business owner, or just a leader in general is if you have people working for you or you're working with them, Treat it as a volunteer organization. Yeah. Whether whether these people get paid a million dollars a year, yeah. or whether they get paid nothing, yeah. treat it like a volunteer organization. Yeah. And so, is that was that one of the lessons that kind of came out of having a bad boss? Like, man, this guy or, or whoever, um, you know, doesn't treat people right or whatever. So maybe maybe share some of the things that you learned. Like, okay, I know if I'm in, if I'm in a leadership position, I'm not going to do this. So um, this this is a reflection moment. Right when we were having that conversation, that was more of a reflection moment of now that I am in, involved in the community, and volunteer organizations and nonprofits, uh, and what it takes to move that organization. That skill set, if I would have had that and been able to apply it when I was in those corporate type roles, wow, how much better that organization would have been, um, because you care about the people. You listen. You're tolerant of things that are going on in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's so more so much more engaging from a volunteer organization, uh, you know, than in you know, uh, and and I'm, I'm sure I could qualify in different scenarios as being a bad boss too, right? And so those are experiences that I, I you know, experience is what you have after you needed it, right? <laughs> and and so. The experience now with the volunteer organizations in a reflection mode saying, man, if I would have had that skill set or exposure in different leadership roles in the past, wow, what it's the roof's the limit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's unlimited where you can go with that. Yeah. So yeah. I appreciate you remember that quote. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, uh, it was a great quote. And I, and I think I really do think that it's it's a really great thing to keep in mind mm-hmm. of being a leader uh, and, and yeah. because there's so much subtext to it. Uh, of saying, look, be be empathetic, be compassionate to what's going on in these people's lives. Right. Be uh, willing to try and view things from from their viewpoint, right. or at least just listening to them. Right. Maybe they have a really good idea. You know, right. you being the leader, you don't have to be you don't have to be unilateral in your decisions. Right. It can really be a collaborative effort. And has to be. Yeah, yeah, has to be. And no more is that better demonstrated, I think, in, in volunteer organizations oh, yeah. because you're all volunteers. There's no there. There might be a person who is the leader of the volunteers, right. but it's still a volunteer organization. That's right. Yeah, and people can just say... And how do you keep them engaged? Because it is volunteer, so at any point in time, they can opt out. Yeah. So how do you keep them engaged? And that's that's through, you know, involvement and allowing them to have a piece yep. of the, the future. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Abs- absolutely. Yeah. So I want to touch a little bit on your transition from corporate life. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of having your head buried in the sand. This mm-hmm. is what you do, uh, you know, every single day. Uh, and then coming out into be, you know, becoming an entrepreneur. Talk a little bit about that transition. What was great? What was um, revelatory for mm-hmm. you? Yeah. And then also what was, you know, some of the things, you know, is, is like, like white knuckle time. Like, oh, my gosh, yeah. I, I've just got to, you know, grin and bear it right now and, sure. and just, just get, get to work. Uh, well, I shared the being introduced to the Aggie 100, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was mind-blowing, right? All these products being produced and creative products and jobs being generated and the revenue that was coming out of these companies was just mind-blowing because i had been in this bubble for such a long period of time and it's just like oh my god they're the whole new world <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a song right, right. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
gosh. So that that was, and then I got started getting involved because in, I had my business right, and I started doing um, networking, and then to see the energy in the small business community is just mm-hmm. inspiring. Mm-hmm. And it it wasn't necessarily about themselves; it was about the community and the camaraderie. And that I mean, once again, it t- it touched my heart and motivated, and inspired me that if you, if you didn't have the media out there talking about the gloom and doom and all these kind of things, the small business community just keeps plugging along, mm-hmm. right? If you didn't have that overhead kind of conversations mm-hmm. taking place, then my gosh, what the small business community can do at any given time uh, to keep things going, right? The persistence, the can-do attitude, um, and you see it in every business. Everybody's got a story, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about our networking group is there's a all these different businesses there, and, and everybody's got their story. Um, and uh, you know, a couple of them that one, one of the guys that I do business with used to be a dumpster diver. Right? He would dive you know, behind machine shops and things like that to yeah. kid stuff out uh, in order to put them together to rebuild. And that's a multi-million dollar business now. But wow. at some point in time, you know, he was he was going through dumpsters. What a great story, right? That's incredible. Where's where's that happen? Right? Yeah. Only in the small business community does it happen right <laughs> that's cool uh, yeah so and there's there's uneducated people right that don't have degrees never finished college that are now very high-end support for department of defense mm-hmm. right they're providing services to the the highest protection for the united states mm-hmm. without a degree mm-hmm. wow right i mean how's that possible mm-hmm. and that's the small business community Right, so transition out of think you're conquering king of your own little world to all this stuff that's out here, and you really the abundance it comes back to the abundance mm-hmm. thing. There's whatever you want to do, mm-hmm. and it's it is still why the United States is the greatest country in the world. People still want to come here, right? Despite what the media and other things may say, people are still coming here because of the opportunities that present them to mm-hmm. present themselves here. You can do anything you want to do. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you make a really good point, and I, I completely agree with that um, about being so connected. That the small business community is, right. is so connected to the community, right. um, to, to to just the greater community itself. Right. Um, and I, you know, Elizabeth, I don't want to speak for you, but being a teacher, I was a teacher for five years right. uh, in Montgomery County and then North Harris County, um, being a part of the community, whatever. I am. I feel way more connected a hundred times more connected to the community by being involved with, with the small business than I was as a teacher. And, and I was, you know, face to face with kids that lived in the community and the the parents and whatnot. And so it really is, that's a great point of saying that the small business community, you're literally running your business in the local community. You're relying on the people that live there and work there and that maybe have been there their entire lives. And so you really, if you're doing good, if you're engaged, I think that's a key right. that you're going to be very, very connected with, with the community. Right. You're going to enrich and they're going to enrich you. Right. And everybody's this, this, and, and not that, um, the corporate community doesn't have big hearts too, cause they, they do. And sure. they, they yeah. do a lot of great things. Um, but to, to see in the small business community that if somebody has a baby, right, people circle around in mm-hmm. diapers and, you know, provide them the, the things that they need is, uh, or if they've been flooded, Right, the you know, and y'all have been involved in that, especially with the stuff here in, in Houston over this past year. How the community rallies around mm-hmm. uh, to to help. Um, so yeah, it's it's inspiring, and that's that's the reason I really like the group because each individual week I'm motivated mm-hmm. uh, because of the people that are in the room and seeing some of the struggles and the adversity that they're fighting through. Um, uh, motivates me to, to do more to help more people. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll tell you, in my corporate role, when I started and coming out of school, one of the things, I want to help as many people as possible. That was like a personal mission that I had. And as I grew in responsibilities within that organization, I was helping more and more people. And then I got pretty close to the top, and I stopped thinking about the people. Mm. And I started thinking more about myself. And ultimately, right, I, got, I was reorganized out. It wasn't because I was thinking purely about myself, but another retroflective moment, mm-hmm. right, 
of um, keep the others in the mm-hmm. forefront. And mm-hmm. if you continue to give, then it'll come back to you multiple fold. Yeah, right? yeah. You well, and, and it's 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 a. I think the timing of that maybe, you know, like you mm-hmm. said, kind of retrospective. The timing of it is that maybe whoever you know, God, energy, fate, whatever, whatever is out there. Um, we'll say God. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> God's plan. You know, it said, "Hey, you need to recalibrate here. Mm-hmm. You're you're getting too inward focused. Mm-hmm. You need to continue to be outward focused. So we're going to change some things for you. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's funny how how things happen like that. We talk about that all the time right. with things that happen in our life, right. and we'll just say, you know what, it's not meant to be, or this is meant to be. So we're going to focus our energy here, and, and you know, that was a time for for recalibration, maybe. And then." And you take it a step further that it allowed me the opportunity to establish myself in my own business and which provides somewhat flexibility, right? As a, a small business owner, you have some, some flexibility in that. And then my son's diagnosed, right? And so with you know, my wife and I, if we were both working full-time in corporate-type jobs, I'm not sure, I don't know how we would have managed that. Yeah. Right. But that's a great point. by having some flexibility in, in my schedule, it it allowed me to, I think, be more supportive during that period of time mm-hmm. where I wouldn't have to be thinking about the big stuff, right? The you know, mm-hmm. but I was concentrating on the most important thing at that yeah. time and that's the mm-hmm. the health, you know, of our son. Yeah. 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 So it's amazing how things work out. It really is. Yeah. So, so you talked a, bit, a little bit about like your, your one of your personal missions mm-hmm. is trying to impact as many people, help as many people, right. and you you kind of touched on it. Like that was something when when you were young, when you were high school, or you got to college or whatever. So, I kind of want to rewind a little bit sure. and talk about growing up. Right. What are some of the things that you learned? Some of the lessons that your parents and and whoever else around you mm-hmm. learned? And and so where does that come from? That did you want to help people? Was that demonstrated, you know, as from a young age? Did you see, like, wow, that's I really want to be like that, you know? So maybe t- touch a little bit. On so that's that. that's very interesting. Are we born that way, right? <laughs> uh, or is it or is it created, right, uh, by the environment? Yeah, that's a that's a tough question, right? And once again, to reflect, and I do a lot of re- reflection because it helps you identify the opportunities to to be better going forward. And uh, that's, that's a great, great question. And when I think, when I think about that, um, as, as a young uh, kid, there was multiple times where I was positively reinforced by adults for helping other people, right? And then I saw it. My parents were involved in a group, and I remember as a little kid riding in the car, and uh, they had, uh, at the time, it was called Handicapped Bingo, so we would go around the community and pick up those that with special needs, and they'd go play bingo. And and cool. I was I was little. I mean, shoot, probably before kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And it's a memory that I have. A blind guy is riding in our car, and we're going to play bingo, right? So um, I, I think my parents were involved, right, in helping others. Um, my parents took a long vacation. I stayed with my my grandparents, and the, like the first day. My grandmother sprained her ankle, stepping off the stairs, right? And so while the whole time they were gone, I was helping her, right? Uh, Getting in and out of the car, up and down the stairs, grocery shopping, whatever it may be. And at the end, it was, he was so helpful. Mm -hmm. So that's just positive reinforcement Mm -hmm. that I get a pat on the back for, you know, helping. Mm -hmm. Um, My other grandparents up in Rhode Island had a, a... a store, a little store in Providence that they owned. And, you know, I went up there and worked in the, the summer and very positive feedback. You know, we were there from sunrise until sunset. And then we go eat a big hamburger at the local diner. <laughs> right. And, and at night, and it's like, you know, good job today. We, you know, we worked hard. My parents worked hard and it was just, my grandparents worked hard. We had orchards and gardens. And so you just worked, right. That's just, you were outside and you were doing stuff. And, uh, so, um, I, I think it was all around that, just an environment of mm-hmm. positive reinforcement for helping others. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it's just a positive reinforcement ultimately creates that that's who I am. Right. So if I do good things and I'm, you know, recognized for that, and that's important for little kids, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. What are they, what are they, are they getting attention for good things or bad things? Right. Mm-hmm. Either way, they're getting attention. Sure. Right. Sure. So, which ones do we give them the most attention for? In my case, it was for helping, helping others. Yeah. 
it's a manifestation of, of, of your association of yeah. who, you know, who you were networked with at that point. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. So you're reinforced and, yeah. uh, that, that's, that's, that's a great story. I, I, was, I was very fortunate that, uh, you know, my mom got remarried at a very young age and I actually came to Texas on a train. Wow. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's. <laughs> So for, for people that probably ages me, right, that, you know, that, you know <laughs> yeah, they actually had trains that brought people around, right? And it wasn't a high-speed train, right? Yeah. So came to Texas on a train. We didn't even have a car when we came here. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So the new uh, new stepfather was there and picked us up off the train, and you know, now we're in Texas yeah. kind yeah. of thing, right? So um, just a po- positive environment, you know, that was not necessarily a bloodline, but that family that, that my mom married into were good people, mm-hmm. and they helped others, and and so, and they accepted me as if I was one of their own. Yeah. And so, you know, that's a, something I'm very thankful for. They didn't have to do that, right? And so, I think uh, along the way, just feeling special, mm-hmm. right? And so, for those that have families out there, what do we do? to let those people around us know that they're special. Mm-hmm. I think that's really, really important. Yeah. Uh, and so I, tr- I, I attempt uh, to do that with nephews um, that we have. Obviously, my son, love him to death. And uh, so, um, but other family members as well, right? Yeah. That they're yeah, special. Being, being engaged as much as possible right. and, and, and noticing, you know, what, what they do, noticing them as, you know, as a human, as a, right. as a person. Right. Uh, I mean, you know, you say it. Uh, so, so the, your 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 step family effectively, mm-hmm. um, you know, say you know, they didn't have to do that, yeah, and you're so that's so correct. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, uh, how so? How old were you when your mother got remarried? Uh, less than kindergarten, like okay, like, okay, like four. Yeah. Okay. So, you, so you and I were around the same age. My mother, my mother got remarried, mm. uh, and we moved from Iowa to North Carolina. Yeah, right. uh, so I was six. I actually just turned seven. We yeah. moved the day after my birthday. So I was, I had, I was a little sour uh, <laughs> that we moved the day after my birthday. I had just turned seven. Um, but I, knew, I knew we had another connection. We yeah, just didn't know yeah. what it was yet. <laughs> right. uh, but that's it, so very true, going to a new situation, yeah. you have this quote-unquote new family yeah. um, that you know, your, your family now, but you don't know who they are. Yeah. Uh, and it's very, very important for them to, to engage and, and interact and, and learn who you are. Right. And that shapes, you know, mm. that child. Right. Um, and so being, and, and I, and I was fortunate. I, I had the same, same situation. Great. And at the time, you don't know any different, right. you know, but, but growing up, seeing how people interact with children, right. uh, whether they know them or they don't, right. you know, it, it is, it's very important to, Hey, look, be involved with this person. You may not have to be their best friend. You may not even have to tuck them in at night, but be engaged with them for the five minutes or the you know right. two hours that you're with them. It's right. very. It lasts a long, long time. That's right. So that's yeah. It's a really great lesson. Right. Uh, and and glad that that you had that. Right. Um, you know that that opportunity as well. So what? Um, uh, so was that was that difficult at all? So you moved. For, you were originally from Kansas, right? right. Originally from Kansas, yeah. right. So you moved down to Dallas, right. the Dallas area. Right. Was that difficult? Did was was that exciting? Were you excited for the trip? Or yeah, you know? so I was too young. Right? Okay. Yeah, so it wasn't a, a teenage kind of move, right? So it was. I got to ride on the train. Right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hang out with the conductor, you know, out the out the window as we came to the stops, and yeah. you know, pull the little whistle and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it was a, it was a fun trip, right? So yeah. yeah um, didn't, didn't know any difference sure, at the sure. time. Yeah, right? so, yeah it's just a, it was an adventure. Yeah, we had, um, you know, I, th- I think about uh, the environment, right? And uh, so there was like pecan trees and plums and you know dewberries and strawberries and things like that. And we uh, when it was time to whether it's the winter for pecans or the springtime for the, the fruits and vegetables kind of thing, my grandfather would always say, "Hey, don't worry about going out there. I already got all the berries, uh, or I've already picked up all the pecans." And it wasn't until I was about 30 years old, and we, we were at their, their property, and, and I was walking around. And I was kind of like, you know what? He never picked up one pecan <laughs> or picked one berry. He just said he did, so I would go out there and look that much harder. And I would come <laughs> back with buckets and bags, and and it was like, at, thir- at 30 years old, it's kind of like, dang. <laughs> I, he shammed me that whole time, that's right? So yeah, so... Yeah, that's kind of the environment. Uh, we had we had a good time. Good, right? Good. 
All right, so I want to be um, mindful of the time. Great. And we can um, we can wrap up here pretty soon. A couple things that I'm always curious about. So big reader, love right. love books, still love you know, the hard copy of books. Yeah, right. uh, so I'm always curious, uh, you know, a lot of experience, a lot of different experiences as well, per, yeah. you know, personally and professionally. Right. What are books that, that stick out into your mind? And they don't even have to be... I mean, that could be a novel. It doesn't sure. doesn't have to be a you know nonfiction right. or anything like that. What are some books? You know, whether it's you know just two or three, or you can rattle off your whole library yeah. uh, that really stick out and that you know, this is this had a really profound impact on me. Or you know, so for someone that wants to have their own you know small business or whatever, like right. that, you got to read this book. Got to read this right, book. Right. Um, I start with the Bible. Yeah, and uh, and for me, not necessarily through my own own readings, but from different people, podcasts, or interpretations of those stories, I think are very impactful. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be able to relate those into to being a giver, right? So I, I have to start. I have to start there. Um, and then the standard books, you know, for me, uh, good to great, you know, for business. So for those in that little corporate window, good to great is a solid book on you know people and and uh, how important they are in the process and. Uh, it's not one big thing, right? That uh, a monumental event. It's the little things along the way, and consistency and persistence that that make the big difference. From good to great, um, the E Myth for small business owners, the Secret for uh, small business owners, uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. You know, they're, they're the staples, right? Yeah. And so, any library, I think, ought to have those three books. You know, in the in the beginning, right? Uh, so, and then just keep learning. Right, whether it's through podcasts, if you're not a big reader, there's so much available on audio right. now. As you're driving around, I use a lot of audio stuff. If you need help selling Zig Ziglar, uh, stuff is great. Um, you know, it, so it just opens your mind to uh, help and sell and promote your business. Yeah, right? yeah, excellent, excellent. Um, Elizabeth, anything? Good. Finish okay. it off. Babe. All right, good stuff. So, talk a little bit about. Um, Beacon Business Solutions. Sure. With this, what you're, with this, right. what you're doing. Right. Uh, so, talk a little bit about that. Here's your opportunity to, you know, talk a little bit more about what you do and, sure. um, you know, the purpose of, of, of the business that you have. Right, right. So, Beacon Business Solutions websites, uh, see the beacon.com, uh, see like S E E C. Look for um, management consulting, leadership development, sales and marketing uh, is the tagline. Custom uh, and personalized business management solutions. Uh, how can we help you? Those are all the tagline kind sure. of things, right? But who am I? I'm a generalist, right, from business. I, mean, I was a corporate guy for 20 years, $600 million company, uh, a division within a $1.7 billion company. We had 20-plus locations, five businesses. So I got exposed to every facet of a business. Uh, and the biggest piece, by having multiple locations around the country and, and uh, the five businesses, is the people side of it. But then there's the sup- supply chain, marketing, sales initiatives, sales force, um, all the administrative support systems that go into that. So I'm a generalist. Um, I help with strategy. You know, there's only four potential outcomes of any business, right? And uh, so I'm happy to talk to whoever wants to learn what those are. <laughs> uh, that's, that's my little soundbite, right? Uh, you know, reach out to me and I'm happy to talk about those outcomes. I believe there's three pillars. Uh, to success for any business, happy to share those. Also, there's only two attitudes, right, to, to have about any project, any business, any problem, uh, and there's one key to success. So I call that four, three, two, one, success. Right, very nice. and so very happy to talk to, to anybody out there about more of what I do from a generalist standpoint, and then I pull in my resources and connections through networking to help solve those individual problems on a journey. To success. Yeah. That's beautiful. Excellent. So see the Perfect. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Um, anything else before we wrap up? No, this is y'all are wonderful. So thank y'all very much for this opportunity and, uh, y'all are going to do great. Yeah. <laughs> y'all are successful in my mind. And I appreciate you being part of our group. And, you know, this is another opportunity that presents itself that never would have happened without Reveille and without a transition and all the things, you know, the dominoes that lead up to it. So, mm-hmm. Well, maybe little failures that lead to tremendous successes like today. So exactly. thank you very much for the chance. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. We, we certainly enjoyed this. 
uh, I feel like there's going to be like a part two and part three. <laughs> there's, there's so much more that we can talk about. And that's what's great about yeah. conversations yeah, is right. you just never know what's going to come yeah. up. And I've, I'm sitting here writing notes down and I didn't even get to everything that I wanted to talk about. So I'm gonna, you're on the hook. I, I got to have you come back. But, uh, we, we really do. We certainly appreciate yeah. you taking the time. Um, you're easy we, to talk to. Well, thank right. you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, uh, I know that we I, – I've learned – more and more right here right. Uh, than I have before, and uh, I know that we've been, you know, uh, sure. networking with you. And right. I don't even want to say networking; we we know you now, right. you know, for, yeah. for more than a year, and so we certainly we're appreciate friends. it. Yeah, we are. We really are. <laughs> um, so we, we well, in my mind, it. we're friends. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 yeah. Sorry, of course, no, of course, yeah, of course. Uh, so, and that's you know, the the people that we want to have on on our podcast. Sure. It's not just some person right. that you know. Oh, they have this checklist, checklist. Oh, they're really successful. Let's have them. It's people that are right. that that mean something to us mm-hmm. personally right. and then professionally. Right. Uh, and so, certainly, you 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 know, you fit that mold. Uh, thank uh, you. So we we really appreciate yeah. you taking the time yeah. and. Um, I think uh, we we enjoy this. I hope whoever listens uh, enjoys this and uh, learns something from it. Yeah, me too. All right, Philip, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Before you go, we just wanted to thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, then be sure to check us out every Wednesday for our latest episode. Visit us at eversoncooper.com slash podcast or find us on iTunes and any other podcast players. Thanks for listening.